Good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. Glad to be here with you. It's always fun for me when God gathers God's people in space not normally used for worship. It happened in 2002 on September 11th at Safeco Field uh, when there was a great uh, musical presentation of Mozart's Requiem. And what happens is you have this juxtaposition of uh, what is so-called secular and the sacred invades. And we see it this morning. Our city, God's story, go Huskies. It couldn't be any better than that. <laughs> couldn't be any better than that. So that's where we live. God has us here together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we'd like to thank you for the incredible privilege that you've given us of gathering within these walls uh, where great things happen. And we pray that this morning, by the power of your Holy Spirit, great things would happen. That you would continue to build on the foundation upon which you have already been building for a hundred years. Give us ears to hear, give us responsive hearts, shape us to be people of hope for generations to come. And we'll thank you for the fruit of that and the adventure that awaits us as we follow you. Pray in the name of Christ who is our hope. Amen. Hey, good morning everyone. It's a it really is a joy to worship together as one community this morning under one roof for the very first time since meeting in various lo locations, which we began doing back in 2010. And as we already know from what we've heard this morning, God's been faithful and amazingly good to Bethany for 100 years. And what you see in our time together this morning is testimony of the work that God is doing in the present through Bethany as we gather in six different locations every week and then seek to be the presence of Christ throughout the week in various neighborhoods, throughout our city and throughout our region. It's a great joy to come together and celebrate together. I'd say we're gathered this morning at a time when the hope found in Christ is more visibly needed than any time in my lifetime. No candidate, no party, no political system, no philosophy will ever bring the hope, peace, joy, life, satisfaction found in Christ. Christ is the hope for the future. And we believe that and that's why we gather every week to testify. The terror that is in our world, the addiction, the sickness, the racism, the poverty, the economic disparity that we see all around us are all conspiring to make our world, if not more needy, at least more aware of our needs than ever before. And so, this morning, I would like to show you from the scriptures that all of us who are gathered here within this room have a calling. And our calling, above everything else that we do, is to make the hope of Christ visible in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our city. We are called to be rivers of living water, as we will see. And if we get that right, we have everything right. And if we miss that, it doesn't really matter how successful we are economically. It doesn't matter what markers we have in our lives that would define our lives as meaningful. If we are not the rivers God has called us to be, we're missing the point. Miss your calling to make God's glory visible in your life, and you've missed everything. And so that's what we're about when we gather together this morning. So I want to thank you, Lord for Bethany Community Church, your faithfulness to us. Thank you for this time that you've given us to make your glory visible. And now, as you speak to us from your word, give us ears, ears to hear and hearts to respond. And kids, <laughs> I'm actually talking to you now, and the parents can listen in, but you have a little book, and the book will a little bit follow what I'm about to share. And kids, I'm going to tell you, we're talking this morning a lot about water. How many of you in the room like water? Raise your hands if you like water. Mmm, I love water. It's my favorite thing, actually. When I go to a restaurant, most times, except in the evenings, I order water. 
nothing else. And the first thing that you need to know about water, it's pretty simple, and I think we already know it, but I'm going to remind you of this. What direction does water always flow? Water always flows down. What direction does water flow? Everybody? Yeah, right on. See, we're making good progress already. We all understand on the same page, water never flows up. It always flows down. And because of this, we can be certain this morning that God's glory is coming down from heaven to fill the earth the way water fills a cup. We can know it with confidence. I fell down skiing last December. There was some fresh powder, about three feet of it actually, and I fell and I couldn't get up. It's scary when you fall and you can't get up. My son was with me. Thankfully, he's a better skier. He didn't fall. And he was hiking back up to rescue me. As, as I'm laying in the snow, I was thinking to myself, I wonder where this water is going to end up. I wonder what's going to happen to this snow. Do you know what will happen to that particular snow? It's a very interesting story. I've thought it through when I was laying there. <laughs> Here's what happens. Uh, that water will melt sometime in the spring. And that particular water that was snow will find its way into Coal Creek. Coal Creek will flow down into the Yakima River. The Yakima River will then flow east, and it'll dump into the Columbia River, where it, the, the water will then flow south, and then, and then the Columbia River will make a massive right turn, and it will flow west, and it'll dump out clear in the, over the Pacific Ocean, hundreds of miles away. That particular snow would become that water in Coal Creek, in the Yakima River, in the Columbia River, and then dumping out in Astoria, Oregon, Oregon into the Pacific Ocean. Water always flows, what? Down, always. The same way water fills a jar, what we know from Scripture is this, God will fill the earth with God's glory. It will come down from heaven. It will bring life and hope and healing to the earth. And so God has been trying to bring hope, joy, healing, and power to the earth, and when God teaches us this in the Bible, God uses water to teach us about God's glory. And that's what makes this such a fun sermon for all of us this morning, not just adults, but kids, because we learn about water and glory in the Bible, because this is what God says. Look, God is like water. This, God, is like that, water. And we will learn about water, glory in the Bible by following the pattern that we've been seeing these last few weeks, creation, disruption, hope, culmination. So we begin actually with creation when God created the world day one. God created everything in six days. But what did God create on the very first day? The very first day, what did God create? God created water on day one and light. Both of these things are actually very important, water and light. We can't live without either of them. And so we're told in the Bible that water and light are like Jesus. Because Jesus tells us in John chapter 4 that if we're thirsty, we should come to him and he'll give us living water. And Jesus was talking about himself. I, Jesus, am like water. I will fill you up and give you exactly what you need. In the same way, of course, then for all of us in the room, because we're made for water, we who are gathered here this morning will live our best possible lives when we're consistently drinking from the life that is Jesus. Because when we drink that water, what Jesus gives us in the cup is joy and hope and healing and generosity. And these things are only found in Christ because Christ calls himself living water. Our cups are filled when we have something good to share with others. And we have something good to share when our cups are filled with Christ. 
Uh, you don't know my story, or maybe you do, but my cup was actually empty in January 1976. My dad had died. I was in college. I was depressed. I wasn't healthy. I was worried about the future. I was confused about what I should major in. I didn't know what to do with my life. It was a very hard time in my life. And then, you know, something interesting happened. This cute blonde invited me to a ski retreat. And I said, if you're going, I'm going. And so I went to a ski retreat, interested in skiing, interested in the blondes. <laughs> but in the end, God had something very different in mind. The speaker spoke that morning out of Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, and said this, if you're rich, don't boast that you're rich. If you're wise, don't boast that you're wise. If you're strong, don't boast that you're strong. But if you want to have something about which you can boast in your life, there's only one thing boast worthy, and that's this. Boast that you know God. <laughs> and the pastor, he actually pointed his finger at me, and he said, some of you in the room need to make knowing God the single most important priority in your life. And I will just tell you, I knew in that moment God was speaking to me alone. And I left the chapel at the end of the service, and I went outside, and I got down in the snow, and I prayed, and I said, God, I don't know what this means, but I know this, I want to know you. Show me how, and that changed everything for me. Ch changed everything. <laughs> changed my major from architecture to music. And then, as you know, God tricked me, I became a pastor. Ch changed my city. Moved from San Luis Obispo to Seattle because uh, Seattle Pacific, on its catalog cover, had a picture of Mount Such uh, Shuxon, and I was like this. If that's what it looks like in Seattle, I'm going. I'd never been north of Sacramento. Change of major, change of city, change of priority, change of values. Filled with joy, suddenly filled with joy. I can't even explain it to you, but I can say this to you with authority this morning. When we make knowing God the single most important pursuit of our lives, though there will be bumps, God meets us there and fills our cups. That's why we gather, to help each other, pointing, pointing each other to Christ. Uh, so God created us to be filled with God's glory. This is very important in this time in history because many people are thirsty. And if you go back into the garden, Adam and Eve had full cups. They had innocence, they had joy, they had peace, they had plenty, and they had water. But as you know, it didn't last, which brings us to disruption. God created water on the first day, a perfect garden. Adam and Eve are in the garden. There's four rivers in the garden. Everything's perfect. And then when sin enters into the story, God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. And the reason that God kicks them out of the garden is God didn't want people to live forever as empty cups. Because there was a tree in the garden from which if you ate, you'd live forever. And God, because he loves us, didn't want us living forever empty. He wanted to fill us, so we were uh, forbidden from ever entering the garden again. And we went out into the world, and we spread out. And then this is what's so interesting this morning that I'm so excited to share with you about. There's this truth that you see in the Bible that when God's people follow God and step into God's invitation, all through the Scriptures, there's lots of water in the story, every time. Crops are great for farmers. Rains fall the water of the earth. The grapes are gigantic. Water. There's mist. There's rain. There's mountains. There's snow. There's harvest. It's where we live. 
Whenever there's obedience to God, there's water. But as soon as God's people try and live on their own, the water dries up every time in the Bible. You see it all through the Bible. I'll show you three particular places. In Isaiah chapter 64, verses 10 and 11, this is what we read. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Jerusalem is a dry place. Our holy and beautiful house has been destroyed by fire. Everything has become a ruin. In other words, when we live on our own, we dry up. Do you know that many of us even use this as a phrase? How are you doing? And have you ever said that? Who said this? Remember, raise your hand. Oh, I'm going through a little dry period right now. Anybody ever said that? Of course we say it, don't we? Because there are times in our lives when we dry up and we dry off. We dry up partly because we're cut off from God, who is our source of living water, you see. And then we come to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 10 through 13, which I want to read for you because it's so important and significant. And it teaches us why water is tied to our relationship with God. So Jeremiah chapter 9 in the Bible reads this. Jeremiah 9. Uh, uh, listen to this. God says this. For the mountains I'll take up a weeping and wailing. For the pastures of the wilderness I'll sing a dirge. Because the land is laid waste. No one passes through. The lowing of the cattle is no longer heard. The birds of the sky and the beasts of the field are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins. And why, he says, why is the land ruined and laid waste like a desert so that no one passes through? Here's, here's God's answer. God says, because they have forsaken me, the land will become a waste place. Do you see? Cut off from God, I'm cut off from water. I'm cut off from water, I'm cut off from life. I'm cut off from joy and hope and meaning and healing. And then when we go to Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 through 12, we read beautifully that whenever there's obedience to God, the water returns. And so allow me to read for you. Listen to this. It's beautiful. If you give yourself to the hungry, as we've heard this morning, and if you uh, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your gloom will become like midday. If you give yourself to service, if you give yourself to justice and mercy and hospitality and generosity and hope, if you pour hope into your city, then the Lord will guide you and satisfy your desire. If you give, your cup will be filled. And he will give strength to your bones, and you will be a well-watered garden and a spring of water whose waters never fail. I love that word picture. God will meet you and not only fill your cup, but fill you to overflowing. It's remarkable. So this is good news for all of us in the room. And the good news that drives us forward in the story is this. When there's no water, God makes us thirsty. And that's actually very good news. Because listen, the thirst is more than literal, you guys. We're thirsty when marriages break up. We're thirsty when parents die. We're thirsty when the diagnosis is cancer. We're thirsty when there's war, shootings of unarmed black men, shootings of policemen. We're thirsty when we visit the jungle. <laughs> We're thirsty when we visit Rwanda. We're thirsty when we visit Roble Alto. We're thirsty. Thirsty for healing. Thirsty for reconciliation. Thirsty for peace. Thirsty for justice. Thirsty for hope. Thirsty for life. And can I just say to you this morning with everything that is in me, thirst is good. If you're frustrated with the world in which you live, that's a good thing. Because that thirst drives us to the source of living water which brings us to hope in our story. God creates water, creation. Adam and Eve sin, we're kicked out of the garden, the earth dries up. 
And we come to hope in John 7, 37, which we've heard read. By the time Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, <laughs> actually, Israel's a very dry place. And so when Jesus stands up in John 7, 37, and he asks the question, are any of you thirsty? Everyone knows what he means. And then Jesus says this, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And I, I just, I got to tell you, I love this word picture. Are you thirsty? Here's what Jesus says. Come to me. And you know, I come to Christ, and I'm thirsty for meaning. And so what I hope is that Christ will just give me a little meaning. Or I'm thirsty for healing, and maybe he'll heal me. Or I'm lonely. Oh, I need a friend, and Jesus meets me. Oh, you know, I need a little guidance in my life. I need to know my major. And so maybe God come and, and give me a major. No, here's what God says. If you're thirsty and you come to me, I won't just fill your cup. I'll turn you into a river. Do you love that, that word picture? I won't just meet your need. I will so fill you that you now have a capacity to live as a person of blessing on this earth, which, by the way, hello, that's why God made you in the first place. So here we are, thirsty because we're lonely. Thirsty because we're bored. Thirsty because we've climbed the corporate ladder and at the top there's no meaning. Thirsty because we're stuck in an addiction and nobody knows about it. Thirsty because of shame. And God meets us right there and says, not only will I meet you, not only will I fill your cup, I'll turn you into a river. And when that happens, we see God's glory flowing into our lives and our city and our world. God's glory flows into our lives because in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, God says this, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to perfect it until the day of Christ. And this is God's way of saying, water always wins. You can run from God, you can have days of discouragement, and you will have days of discouragement. And though you have days of discouragement, though you have seasons of failure, though you took a vacation from God, the good news is this, we can always come back. And I know people in the room who have met Christ right in the midst of their own crises, stuck in a cycle of addiction or shame, after a cancer diagnosis, after the meltdown of a marriage, when they decided uh, to, to, to admit their addiction and come clean. That was the moment when Christ met them, and this is the promise. God not, not only meets our needs, but God fills us to overflowing so that we begin to see God's glory. And we see God's glory when people help each other. That's why we give in the ways that we do. And we see God's glory uh, when we share our resources, our resources of time, our resources of money, our homes, when we share hospitality. When we take the time to care for one another, God's glory is right there. And so God wants us to remember something significant this morning. God's mercies are new every morning. So we turn to Christ, and then we wander away. We turn back. We turn back. We turn back again. Why? Because however far we run from God, what we discover when we run is that God's already there waiting for you. Every time, God's waiting. Uh, one of my favorite books is a book entitled Abba's Child by Brendan Manning. And he says better than I... Uh, what was in my heart literally yesterday morning as I was going through a kind of a discouraging time. Manning says this, there have been times in my life when I felt the presence of God was more real to me than the chair I'm sitting on. There have been times when the word just, just fed me like my soul was a desert and the word was water. And then he says there have been other times when I identified with the words of Mae West. I used to be snow white, but I drifted. You ever felt that way? Times when the word was stale as old ice cream. Times when the fire in my belly flickered and died. 
time when I felt like I was dying of thirst. You've been there too? I have. Here's the good word for you this morning. Our courteous Lord does not want his servants to despair because they fall often and grievously. Our falling does not hinder him from loving us. Our doubting does not hinder him from loving us. Our dry times does not hinder him from loving us. Surrender your poverty, your boredom, your fear, your shame, your addiction, because whether you understand it or not, God loves you, is present in you, lives in you, dwells in you, calls you, saves you, offers you understanding and compassion like nothing else you will ever find, not in a sermon, not in a book, only in Christ will you find what you're looking for. That's a good word, and we need it. So, God meets us. And we see God's glory flowing into our lives. And then because God's glory flows into our lives, our cup begins to fill and it overflows and, and, and the glory begins to flow into our city. And God's calling us, according to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, to seek the welfare of the city where we live and to pray for the city on behalf of the city because in the welfare of the city is our welfare. So when you said yes to Christ... You became part of a river of hope flowing through history. And that river is always felt first in cities. All through history, felt first in cities. Because that's where the people of God share the water of God's hope and justice in all sorts of ways. And in Northeast, the city is being filled as we serve community meals in Lake City, alongside other Northeast Seattle churches. And in Ballard, we're working on building partnerships with Ballard High School to build relationships with at-risk families. And on the east side, we're building a friendship with a historically African-American congregation to learn and grow and serve that side of the city together. And in West Seattle, we're supporting local Young Life Ministries and places of connection for people new to the city. And at Green Lake, our, fo our focus is uh, threefold, the food bank, the community meal, the shelter. In North, the Junction is a coffee shop that serves all kinds of people, ranging from high school students who gather for pizza to recovering addicts. We're seeking to be the presence of Christ, because we are the presence of Christ, filling the city. And so we see God filling the city through God's people. And if you're sitting on the sidelines this morning, you're invited into that river because in reality you are in that river. <laughs> and God wants you participating. And finally, we see God's glory filling the world. And we know that God's glory is filling the world because we know the end of the story. Ephesians chapter 1 says that when the story is over in culmination... Uh, we see everything saturated with Christ. It's as if the world is dry right now and just so thirsty. And then, and then Christ returns, and what Christ does is saturates every political system, every economic system, so that the whole world is filled with nothing less than the joy and hope and healing and mercy and power of Christ. And when that happens, all the nations will join hands and go up on God's mountain. And when we all join hands and go up on God's mountain, all wars will end. All disease will be healed. And we will say, this is our God for whom we've waited. Our city's waiting now. <laughs> and that God is here. And that river is here. And this is our calling. Because the river of glory has come down. And God wants to use us to be a source of healing and hope. And when the river comes down fully, we will walk up the mountain. How does the story end? Well, in Genesis, the story began uh, with four rivers in a garden. And when the story ends, the story ends with one river in a city. Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, 
one river, and from that river, the waters of life will flow to everyone. It's a remarkable story. And so what does this mean for us today? Amos 5.24 pretty much sums it up. It says there, let justice roll down like a river. Let righteousness be a flowing stream. Uh, we'll leave here today. Next week we'll worship in all of our different locations. But we have one calling. To allow the water that is Christ to first of all fill us and then so fill us that we overflow and the justice and hope that is Christ flows into our city. Are you thirsty this morning? Years ago, um, I took my daughter Christy on a hike uh, up toward Mount Baker. And I, we had little water bottles. It was a hot day. We quickly emptied our bottles. My daughter, who at the time was 15 and trusted me implicitly, said, uh, is there going to be uh, more water? Because I'm thirsty. I said, oh, don't worry. We get up to this meadow, there's plenty of water. We get to the meadow because it's late August, there's no water in the meadow. I said, oh, yeah. She says, Dad, I'm thirsty. I said, oh, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Listen, there's a high meadow as well. And if there's not water in the low meadow, there's for sure going to be water in the high. We get to the high meadow, there's no water. <laughs> and she said, Dad, you're a liar. <laughs> and I said, yeah, uh, listen, we're going to hike now. We're going to go three miles. We're going to head over to Mount Baker. We're going to head right over there. You see the mountain. Because I know, always, always, at the top of the moraine, Easton Glacier, railroad grade, there's always water there. And I said, there will be water. <laughs> she said, Dad, I hope so because I'm really thirsty. And so was I. We went, and we get to where there's always water. I've been there half a dozen times, and there's no water. So my daughter's sitting there, and we're getting sunburned and dehydrated. And where there's always water, there's no water. We're thirsty. <laughs> thirsty. Do you understand this story isn't about water? This is your story. Some of you in the room, looking for meaning, <laughs> looking for reconciliation, looking for freedom, thirsty. We're sitting there, and I'm, it's quiet, and I'm listening, and then I hear it. There's a trickle. I hear a trickle. I said, Chrissy, do you hear it? What is it, Dad? It's water. I walk about 50 yards up and I see a little bit of water, but by the time I get to that little bit of water, I hear a, like a gushing coming off the glacier. And I walk another 50 yards and I yell to my daughter, Chrissy, come here, I found what we're looking for. Bono can be satisfied. We found what we're looking for. And she came, and I can't tell you what it's like to be thirsty and then to fill your cup and drink it, fill your cup and drink it again. Then have a water fight. Then fall asleep on the rocks. And then soak each other again. And then fill your cup again and say, now we can go to our tent. Knowing, knowing we're full. Why? Because we've met the river. Friends, we live in a city that is waiting to meet the river. We live in such a city. And friends, here's the word that I want you to leave with. You are the river. You are. You are. Do I feel like the river? No. Do I want to be the river? No. But you are the river. Let justice flow down.
like a river, and righteousness like a stream. Let's pray. Father, meet us here now. As we respond, we trust and ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to every one of us in the room. And we pray simply for Bethany Community Church, asking that for a hundred more years and if you tarry a thousand more years, we would be a river. May thirsty people meet you as you invite us into the adventure of following you. In the name of Christ, who is our hope, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I get the opportunity to move us towards response. And under this theme today, the Bethany Community Church for 100 years, this is, this is our city, but it's God's story. And the invitation is to step in and step into the world with our world partners and step into the city. But it, it's got to start in our hearts. But the reality is that stepping in can be scary. Because so often we're mindful of the call in Matthew 14 uh, of Jesus coming in the stormy night to his believers and his best friends. And he's in the water and, and his believers are in the boat and it, the wind is blowing and the waves are against it. And, and so often when I heard that story before, it's kind of a stepping in story. I always thought, well, faith is about stepping out and, and getting out of the boat and being strong enough and being full of faith enough. And being good enough. That's the narrative that so many of us were raised under. But if you look at the words of Matthew 14. Jesus comes walking on the water. And he's in the midst of the storm. But he's not telling them to get out by their own strength. He says this. He says, come. Come and step in to where I already am. To the waters that I'm already existing in. I'm not asking you to go to a place where I won't be. Jesus says, come. I'm here. So for many of us in the, in the room this morning, maybe we just need to start again. We need, we need some of that living water. Richard, I hear your words, but it's so divorced from the reality that I read in the headlines. It's so separated from what I see in my own life. Well, remind me again. Before we can do anything out there, we need to step in in faith right here. Jesus, I, I, I want you in my own heart. And so this morning, before we talk about next steps as a first step, I'm going to ask you to pray with me and for some in the room to, to join the story for the first time or, or to wake up to the reality that you're already in the story. So would you bow your heads and pray with me now, whereas the people's of prayer, all heads are bowed, all hearts are open. We're ready for God to do something in us. And when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you in the stillness of your own seat just to raise your hand if you want some of this living water. That you've been separate from God, but you want to be reminded again you're in this story when I count to three, one. Jesus, you say, come into the story where you already exist. Two. When I count to three, if this is you and this is what God wants to do in your life and your heart this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in the silence and stillness of your own seat. Three, will you raise your hand if you want a dose of Jesus Christ in your heart this morning? And we see hands all over this room, all over this room. Spirit is moving in people's lives. People being reminded that the living water isn't out there, it's right here. Jesus sees you, and he's with you, friends. Will you continue in prayer with me this morning? Father, these people raising hands, surround them in community. Remind them it's a long journey. Allow them to feel anchored in your story.
May this beginning be the beginning of many hundreds and thousands of days of following you. Lord, write a new story of stepping in in their heart. We thank you for their active response this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, as we conclude this morning in your bulletin, there's ways to, to, to get steps, to step into my life and my city and the world. We've got places for you to do that. And it's very simplistic and a little silly, but as you leave, we've got little stickers for you. of Just reminders. It's our city. It's God's story. We're a church stepping in. Take one. Put it on your car. Put it on your computer. Put it, put it wherever you want. But may you be reminded that it's his story that we're participating in. And as a church, for 100 years, we've been stepping in. Will you stand with me as we continue to respond, as we move towards singing, as we move towards these next 100 years? In six locations every week, we're worshiping God. What do you want to do, God? We're here. We're ready. It's your story. We're waking up. You're moving us as your people and all the men and all the women and all the kids in this room, united not by our strength, but by his. Let us continue in response this morning in song.